Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, August the 30th in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and that means you can phone in with any theological question on your mind. I might not be able to answer it because I'm not omniscient about the Bible, uh, I'm not like, uh, for example, Dr. James Veltz, who was just on the previous program, uh, my, one of my very best friends. We were hanging around the seminary a lot. And he, of course, is the translator of the Gospel according to Mark. And you heard some really good insights about how Mark really needs to be heard rather than just read. And I can really underscore what Dr. Veltz was saying there. For the last six weeks, as I drive around to the various congregations, putting on pretty close to 800 miles a week, I am listening to CDs of the Bible. Started with Genesis. I finished now the Old Testament, and there are, wow, 60 DVDs. Or they were CDs, that's right, 60 CDs. And did I ever learn things as I was just listening to the entire Bible being read. And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what that said there. And so he's really right. And I attended one of the first times that they had done the Gospel of Mark. They have four or five individuals who have it memorized as he has translated it. And they're up on a stage walking around, talking about it and kind of acting it out. And it's really a a great opportunity. I I would encourage you, if at all possible, to get either a CD or somehow to listen to an entire book of the Bible, um, maybe once a week or something like that. And you can probably hear it during the whole year. And the phone numbers, in case you do have a question, 821-0850, that's in St. Louis, 1-800-730-2727. I do want to say one thing on issues, etc., they have a call in line, and Todd was responding to somebody who was a little upset with me during the Sunday school lesson because I was indicating that there was a translation that I felt wasn't as precise as it could be. And the point was, this person believed in the King James Version, and he was upset over I was saying that, well, there are some passages that could be better translated. But Dr. Bells gave a great example where he talked about the historical present. And the one that I remember, I was actually in a class when he was talking about this, The angels appear at the tomb, and the women are there, and all the translations say, you are seeking Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. See, that's a past. But as Dr. Belch points out, that really is a present tense. You are seeking Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. Now, you're going to think, wait a minute. Hasn't he come down from the cross? Didn't he go into the grave? Didn't he rise from the dead? And the way I try to explain it is this way. 
I'm walking down the street with my father, and somebody who knows me but does not know my father approaches us and says, Hi, Tom, who's that with you? And I say, Oh, he was my father. And afterwards, my dad says, What was that about I was your father? I said, Well, you know, there was a conception, and that was it, wasn't it? No, he is my father. He continues to be my father. And in the same way, Jesus continues to be the crucified one. Even, isn't it Hebrews that says he continues to sympathize with us because he's going and gone through the same things you and I went through. Uh, my, My favorite example where I really disagree with the King James is in regard to the Lord's Supper where it gives the impression that those who receive the Lord's Supper unworthily will be damned. And instead, it means they will be judged. It doesn't mean they're not going to be a Christian, but some are going to die and some are going to get sick because of the way they take the Lord's Supper. It's one of the reasons why we have close communion which means we commune those who are understanding what they are getting into. We'll baptize an infant because understanding is not necessary for the Holy Spirit to enter into even a baby. But the Lord's Supper, it is necessary to have a proper understanding of it, knowing it's the body and blood of Christ, knowing that you are a sinner who's repenting and so forth. So, The numbers, in case you want to call them, St. Louis is 821-0850. But anywhere in North America, including St. Louis, 1-800-730-2727. Now, yesterday we were talking with Wes Reimnitz over two issues. The, The one was this Methodist school that has now hired a Muslim woman to be the chaplain for the school. I mean, can you believe that? A Muslim woman who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, and she's become the chaplain for that school? In fact, that school really was very much against uh, the Methodist church at a recent convention where the delegates voted to remain with confessional biblical theology, uh, particularly in the area of morality. And the school was very much angry with that. In fact, most people who are looking at this believe that it won't be long before there's going to be a split in the Methodist church with those following the confessional biblical point of view separating from those who are much more progressive, denying many parts of the Bible, and even the necessity to have to know Jesus in order to be saved. And that's really sad. And that had brought us into the ELCA uh, convention where they had representatives of idolatrous religions up on the stage And they were giving the impression that they, too, could easily be saved because we're not supposed to judge anyone as to whether they're going to heaven or hell. And though I agree with that, uh, 
you can't look at a person and say, oh, you're going to hell. Because on what grounds are you doing that? You're always doing it on the basis of their works. Maybe they don't have proper faith in Jesus, or maybe they're doing various sins, etc. Well, there's no Christian that has proper works and perfect faith. Does that mean that every Christian is going to hell? Of course not. The distinction is that Christians are those who are repentant of their sins. In fact, we've often said this, the only people we excommunicate in the Christian church should be those who are living in unrepentant sin. Paul talks about that they practice lawlessness. They just love it. They have no sorrow over it. And one of my favorite things to watch is YouTube. And there they have all kinds of uh, various programs that are interesting. But the ones I've been looking at recently are people in prison. And so they'll interview this person who was a hired murderer. And he went into a, a family and shot the mother, the father, and the child. And he has no regrets over it because he was paid to do so. Now, that's called unrepentant sin. Can that person go to heaven? Yes, because we in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and other Christian denominations will have chaplains assigned to the various prisons. And when somebody is assigned to a prison, That means that we're trying to get them to repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. If there's one thing that prisoners have that keeps them going in a prison is hope. Uh, Just recently I was watching the prison in Israel that's considered having the worst of criminals in it because of their killing of Israelites and bombing of buses, etc. And they were interviewing a prisoner who has been given more prison time than anyone else so far. 99 life sentences. And so when they were interviewing him, you know what he was saying? He is sure One of these days, he's going to be released. And that's his hope. Even though he'd have to be 990 years old, is it? Life sentence. Uh, The other thing I learned is that in some states, a life sentence just means 30 years and then you're up for parole. Where in other states of the United States, a life sentence means until you die in prison. So, if anybody's got a question or so, 821-0850, if you're in the St. Louis area, and anywhere else, 1-800-730-2727. Now, we're coming up to Labor Day, so this is our last live broadcast in the month of August. We will be back on Tuesday, 
And, in fact, uh, the promo indicates we're going to be back on Monday. That's not going to be correct. We're coming back on Tuesday. And at that point, we're going to be doing a lesson. Uh, I'm sorry, a hymn. So Wednesday will be the day that we're going to be taking a look at the reading. And it's really a pretty important reading because Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple unless you hate your mother and father. How can we understand that? Okay, we're ready to go to the phone lines right now. And without further ado, let's go talk with Jan. Jan, you're on the air. Uh, yes, thank you, Pastor Baker. Does the Missouri Senate Church believe in capital punishment? The Missouri Senate Church believes in Romans 13, where it says the government has the right to take someone's life as part of a punishment for certain crimes. However, you can be against capital punishment and be a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod person because you think that the way that it is implemented in the United States is unfair. Now, many of us don't agree with that, but at one time the Supreme Court threw out the capital law punishments because they felt it was unfair. So a number of states changed them. So, for example, if we put someone to death because they stole some bread from the grocery store, that would be inappropriate capital punishment. If, though they did first-degree murder and they were not sorry for it, then it would be appropriate for capital punishment to occur. But it's not necessary for every Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod person to say, I agree with the way that capital punishment is done. So you could have a different opinion than others uh, on the basis of the method that's being used where you would feel that it's really unfair to certain groups of people and not unfair to others. Thank you very much, Pastor. All right. God bless. Thank you for calling. And we're just going to go down the line here. And I'm just trying. I have a little trouble reading the names. Okay, I got it. We're going to now talk to Doris. Hi, Doris. Hey, hello. Um, a while back when we were uh, doing a Bible study, which we uh, regularly do a weekly Bible study at night, we got talking about, or I guess I brought up about Revelation 6, um, 9 to 11. And there was just a brief touch on the fact that we don't really, it, it's not a, like, I don't know how we got to the levels, levels of heaven and levels of hell um, type uh, thoughts. And um, it was kind of a, don't really go there. And I understand foot and door is really the focus, not what level we'll be at, but I'm just wondering if you would be able to speak to that. Not that this verse necessarily says that there is a level, but it says um, the martyrs were given a white robe. Um, 
And I'm just wondering if it's from that or from other passages that some denominations uh, focus on that. Uh, yes. The white robe is actually worn by every saint because I have, I, I'm sure I will not be martyred in the sense of being put to death here in the United States because of my faith, but we come under significant persecution because of our stance on immorality in contrast to the world, etc. So a martyr is simply a witness who undergoes suffering for what has happened in the world. Now, there's no doubt that in 1 Corinthians 15, God is talking about what kind of body you're going to have when you get to heaven, and he talks about the different glories. There's the glory of the sun, uh, which, of course, is radiant glory. There's the glory of the moon, which is reflected glory. We Christians, I believe, will have reflected glory because as we are in the presence of Jesus, we're going to be like Moses on Mount Sinai, whose face was shining when he came down after talking with God. But there can be degrees of glory. We have no idea what that means. In fact, oh, a few years ago, somebody called me on the radio here and said, what's this distinction much like your question between degrees of glory and i said i will answer that if you answer my question and they asked well what's your question i said what's the difference between a cherubim and a seraphim we have no idea mm -hmm. therefore there are things in heaven i i've got a personal view i think every person has been given by god uh, various opportunities to be a Christian witness. And I can see that a pastor who preaches every Sunday the Word of God and visits shut-ins, etc., but he does that in a somewhat lazy manner, will have less of a degree of glory than a shut-in who is in her bed all the time and making phone calls, helping the Christians in the congregation get through difficult times. So it's not your vocation that makes a better degree of glory. In my opinion, it seems like how much do you use the opportunities God gives you? And outside of that, I really can't have much more of an answer. Right. And then on the other side, I guess we where there's been examples where people have been promised that it'll be worse for them than the people from Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> well, there you're talking about degrees of punishment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And see, so God other, says yeah. that because mm -hmm. uh, he says, if, if you had heard uh, what Capernaum had heard, then right. Sodom and Gomorrah would have, you know, been... Uh, more open to being converted, etc. So this is God's way of trying to explain at our level that even hell will have degrees of torment, but we still don't understand on the basis of much more than what the Bible says. Right, right. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, foot indoor is the, the important <laughs> for eternity. Um, of what door you go through. <clears throat> Thank you very much for calling. God Thank bless. You. Bye. Okay, and we're just going to go down the line here, and we're going to speak 
with Steve. Steve, you're on the air. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate, um, especially your Bible things that you do on KF or uh, issues, etc. Just want you to know that the Sunday school uh, lesson. Love it. Uh, been very helpful. Um, wanted to mention um, or ask. The gentleman, I don't think uh, on K on issues, et cetera, wasn't so much upset at you. He was. It seemed to me, and I, I, I was going to ask you. Uh, he was wondering about uh, translations of the Bible, and he's like, "Well, why don't us Lutherans just have our own translation, so we don't have to hear uh, that this is wrong or that should be different?" And I know there's a lot of various things that people understand languages differently that would take into play. But does the Lutheran Missouri Senate have particular uh, versions of the Bible that they would um, say be more, what's the word? Uh, accurate. Suitable? Accurate, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, because we have a hymnal, the version of the Bible is the English Standard Version that we're using, and it's one of the latest ones, and it appeared uh, to the hymnal committee and also to the synod that that was a pretty good translation. But if you read the Gospel of Mark from the ESV, and then you go and read Dr. James Veltz's translation of the Gospel of Mark, it is really much more exhilarating to listen to what Dr. James Veltz translated. And he gave an example in the earlier program how it's not that we're correcting errors, but we're giving more insightful understanding to what Jesus is saying. And so I I understand Jeff uh, was not at all, or wasn't just with Todd answering the question. He wasn't criticizing me. He was making the point that you can use the King James Version, which I agree with, and be totally saved. It's just that there are passages there, and one of the points he made is words change meaning over time. And so, therefore, when the King James says that the people were gay... That has quite a different meaning back then than it does today. And so that's why you need updates on translations. I didn't have any problem at all with what Todd was saying. And I thought he gave a good answer. Because when people ask me, what translation is your favorite? You know what I tell them? I have no idea. The Hebrew and the Greek. Here's what I was going to would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't. Uh, um, I mean, I have a Bible uh, or a book that has, I think, eight translations on every page, and you can take a look at them and then see which is most suitable. See, here's the problem: a Greek word very often does not have an English word that has all the nuances in it. And right. so I once retranslated John 3.16 to make it really clear what it was saying. Because when it says, for God so loved the world, there's a number of ways that love could be understood. And I ended up with a verse that was three times longer than any English translation. Yeah. Because that love is a sacrificial love. It's not an erotic love, this kind of thing. So it's really difficult uh, I once said to Jim Veltz, you know, the English translations are not that good. And he looked at me and said, they're good if they're properly translated. 
But you kind of stuck, you know. I mean, and that's where I guess we put our faith in Christ ultimately. And, um, you know, the Word of God, we're going to have to trust. How do you, how do you, how do you say it? Because we put our trust in the Word of God, but then we're also putting our trust in. If you're not too careful. Well, that's, that's why a sermon is so critical in a Bible study, because I, as a pastor, will say, well, here's what the Greek says, but here are the various options, and from Scripture interprets Scripture, this is the one I prefer. But anybody can be saved by reading any English translation of the Bible. The Holy Spirit will work through it. But it's kind of like going through confirmation. You may even have Luther's small catechism memorized, but you have just ended up going through kindergarten when it comes to understanding the theology of the Bible. But you're saved totally because of that faith in Christ. Okay? Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Okay, God bless. And uh, we're going to be uh, not here on... Monday. I've never understood this. It's Labor Day. You think that's the day we're supposed to labor, but it's actually, I looked it up. Why do they have Labor Day as a way of giving tribute to the workers in the United States of America for doing such good work? So we won't be here Labor Day. We'll be here Tuesday. And guess what the Bible study is? You have to hate your mother and father, or you will not become a member of the church. We better take a look at that because those are words of Jesus. We'll talk about that on Wednesday as the Bible study. And right now, we're saying goodbye until Tuesday with the hymn. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.